You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? Podcast Friday. Podcast Friday. Best Getting her done on a rainy, dreary October uh, day. I love it. You guys have the rain today. It is sunny, 55 degrees, just about the way fall is supposed to be. There you go. Don't tell anybody downstate. We don't need anybody driving up here to look at leaves or anything. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) They just went from green to dead this year. No (laughs) colors. Yep. 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 (laughs) Nothing to see here. Go to Wisconsin. (laughs) There you go. Uh, too funny. Well, we've got a somewhat important topic today, Dave. I know that you and I have both gotten some questions around this, and that is with interest rates going up now, all of a sudden, for the first time since I probably started my career back in 2007, interest rates are looking pretty good, especially when you start driving around town and seeing billboards for Mm -hmm. 6%, 12-month CDs. And so part of the questions have been, you know, why don't we just put everything in CDs and earn 6% and be happy and go on a merry way, right? (laughs) So I wanted to... Yeah, money money markets, 5%, CDs, 5.5%, depending on, on where you look. Yep. Fixed annuities will be paying a little bit higher. Lots of these low risk or non-market risk anyway sort of vehicles become more attractive. And so we've gotten a lot of questions around that. It's somewhat interesting to me because when you look at the stock market this year, the S&P 500 is up over 10% so far year to date. It's kind of in the eye of the beholder when you're like, well, maybe I should you know, stop investing in this vehicle that's done over 10% this year so I can get 5%, right? But I, right. I guess it's, what have you done for me lately? There's always an element to that when it comes to investing. And uh, you know, we're always telling people it's not about what past returns have been, it's about the future. But that also applies to this cash conversation. I know we've got some charts somewhere about the historical returns after, you know, you take out inflation of CDs and cash that I'm sure we'll put up in the show notes. But that picture is a lot different than when you just look at, you know, what a potential 5% CD might look like right now. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, if, if you invest in cash over the long term, while, while it's attractive right now, your long term real return is actually negative uh, because over time, cash investments aren't going to keep up with inflation, right? Right. Well, I think you the key word that you said there was over the long term, right? Right. Cash has always been kind of designed as this safe short-term vehicle, right? which is good. Like, By no means are we out here saying you shouldn't have cash. You absolutely should have some cash as a part of your overall portfolio, as part of your overall financial plan. You need that you know, cash available for emergencies, things like that. And you should have a nice, safe place to put it. And hey, oh, by the way, you should be getting, you know, three, four, five percent now, which is a lot better than where we were a year or two ago. So, so we actually we we posted a blog post on this last week, kind of looking at like the last twenty five years of history. And so, you know, when I when I started in two thousand, you could get money markets above five percent. You could buy 
government-backed bonds for 7% for reasonable amounts of time. CDs were right around 6%. You know, so kind of a similar uh, range to where things are right now. But if you back up and look at what, ha- what has happened over the last 25 years, cash over 25 years has averaged 1.75%. When we say cash, we're including pretty much all of those, you know, CDs, money markets, those kind of things in one, one basket. So 1.75% over that same amount of time. And this is a period that included the financial crisis, the tech crash, COVID market crash, you know, all the ups and downs that we've seen over the last 25 years. Stocks have performed, if we measure it with the S&P 500, 8% a year annualized, mm-hmm. almost spot on. And bonds over that period of time, 2.73%. Not that you know the last twenty five years is perfect, but it, it actually stands in as a pretty good proxy for what the long term averages have been too on these assets. Cash right. is usually going to be historically a little bit higher than the last twenty five years have shown because we had some pretty extreme lows in the middle there. But you know, inflation was low too, and so those two things kind of go together. You know, it's an interesting dynamic, and one of the things too that. As we say, you know, cash eventually will probably come back down closer to that average. But even mm-hmm. if you got, you were able to lock in at 5% in cash rates, like as a short term, that makes some sense. But when we talk long term, even if the market did 8%, so if you had a portfolio that did 7 versus a CD, a 30 year CD at 5%, it doesn't seem like much. But when you compound that over 30 years, that difference gets drastic in terms right. of what your actual long-term output is compared to, you know, it doesn't seem like a whole lot, but it really does compound and grow and grow and grow, especially over a long period of time. So I actually included some numbers in that in that blog post that I think illustrate this pretty well. $100,000 left in bank assets for the last 25 years would have grown to $154,185 as of when I run this October 5th, so mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. At the same time, $100,000 placed in the S&P 500 at that time would be worth $686,263 right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so that, that's the difference between averaging, you know, one and three quarters percent and 8%. That's pretty extreme, but it, it kind of, kind of makes the point there that you know, while 154000 sounds pretty good, you didn't do anything but put your, park your money in the bank. That's a half million dollars difference, right. right? Yeah. Well, that, you know, depending on where you're at in your financial journey, like if you're mm-hmm. younger, you can't afford to be in cash, right? Like you, right. you can't afford to not have that extra half a million dollars. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you'd have to basically save three, four times as much as you are in order to meet the same retirement goal, right? Like right. It's challenging, yeah. to say the least, to do it that way. So how, do, how should we think about cash and stocks and bonds? I like the way Morgan Housel puts it, that you, know, you want to basically be able to take advantage of long-term compounding for your long-term goals, but at the same time, make sure you've got enough cash to make it through the short-term ups and downs that give you the mm-hmm. ability to stay in the market for the long-term with your other money. We preach the contingency fund and short-term spending being in cash assets. And that's, we say that regardless of what the return on cash is, right? Right. 
You know, we've been saying that when when money markets were near zero, and we'll say it again at five percent that you keep enough money in those type of accounts to see you through the uh, the ups and downs on uh, your longer term portfolio. Super important to have that as a part of it, and you know, everybody's. You know, everybody's to get you through is a little bit different of like what Mm -hmm. you feel comfortable with in terms of how much you need in cash and how much you might need or how much is going to help you sleep at night knowing that you have the ability to go and grab 20,000 for some people might be 50,000 for other people. And, you know, you need to work with your financial advisor to figure out what that amount is and how that might affect you to make sure you're comfortable with that. So another piece of this that's challenging for people is, you know, obviously, like we said earlier, we live in a what have you done for me lately world. (laughs) So when you see something like a 6% CD, it sounds great. But the flip side of that is what happens in three years when that CD renews, right? Are interest rates still going to be at 6%? Are they going to be down to 1%? There's a lot of uncertainty there. If I was a gambling man, I'd say they'd be lower in three years than they are right now. Um, but that's like the reinvestment risk is also something you have to take into consideration. Right. Well, you know, investing in cash or holding cash is no different in terms of long-term expectations than it is for stocks and bonds. If cash assets are yielding 5% right now on a money market and the long-term average is a little bit below 3%, what do you expect is going to happen over the next few years? We, we are, we're going to see reversion to the mean. doesn't mean it's, it's going to be smooth or, you know, perfect or that assets or, you know, a particular asset class can't outperform for a longer period of time. But eventually we're going to see that revert to the mean. And the, the contrary is true too. If you see something underperform or, you know, is, is lower than expectations, this applies more to stocks and bonds you'd expect then that the ongoing return, the future return is going to be higher. You've got to keep that yin and yang in mind as you as you move forward with this. Another thing I wanted to cover, Dave, and I know we've gotten some questions on this as well, and that relates more towards, you know, higher interest rates and why they might be, you know, bad for stocks and bonds, right? Like why why is the stock market right. worried about the fact that the Fed wants to continue to increase interest rates and higher for longer is the phrase that everybody seems to be um, throwing around now. Right? Yeah, that's been the focus lately. And it's, and it's hurt the stock market. So why? Well, I, there, there's really three basic concepts, I think, that you need to keep in mind when it comes to interest rates in the stock market. The first is stock prices are just supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. And we know stocks are risky. They move up and down and, and that can be scary. Whereas cash in the bank is risk-free from a a market standpoint anyway. It's a competition for a piece of the pie, right? And when interest rates are higher, that risk-free return on cash is a lot more attractive. So money flows out of stocks and into bond or into into uh into cash assets when you can get five percent in a money market, it looks a lot lot more favorable. So that so that takes demand away from stocks. So stocks mm-hmm. go down. The other thing, two, the t- other two items are kind of related. When interest rates, if you think of interest rates as, as the fuel for the economy, it's the accelerator, right? Mm-hmm. And when the Fed is lowering interest rates, that's like stepping on the gas. It makes spending money more attractive than saving money. It makes borrowing money easier. The economy speeds up. And when they raise interest rates, it slows the economy down. 
Mm-hmm. Now, stocks, what, what we consider the fair value for stocks is based on what their expected future earnings are, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So if we're slowing the economy down, what are we doing to corporate earnings? Slowing them down. Slowing them down. <laughs> so if, if, if my feeling on what a share of Procter & Gamble is worth is based on what I expect Procter & Gamble is going to earn in the future and they're going to earn less, my expected price for that stock is going to be less. So that's, that's a major factor in how the market responds to interest rate changes. And then the third is, is real math nerd based. But when part of the valuation calculation on expected earnings is based on the discount rate, which is usually what investors use for the discount rate is the Fed, you know, Fed funds rate, which is what the Fed is actually moving up and down and all the other interest rates are are teeing off that. So, so when we value future earnings, we know a dollar down the road is worth less than today. The higher the discount rate, the less that dollar in the future is worth today. So that hurts stock valuations. So, so the market takes it on the chin when we talk about higher interest rates. It's just uh, part of the part of the investment puzzle. Yeah, and I think like a good analogy that I'm sure people are feeling right now when it comes to a little bit of what you were talking about as far as slowing down stocks with higher interest rates. If you think of it in terms of, like if you're out right now looking to buy a house and the mortgage is 7.5%, mm-hmm. right? You're going to do one of two things. Either A, you're going to stay where you're at, or B, you're going to buy a new house, but it's going to be maybe less than what you originally intended. Mm-hmm. And companies are making those same decisions as far as mm-hmm. investments, right? Are we going to borrow money and invest into the company to do a new product or a new shift or whatever it mm-hmm. is? And they have to say, well, maybe we won't because of where interest rates are. Or maybe they'll say we'll do it, but maybe we'll do you know a quarter of what we were going to do before or half as much as what we wanted to do originally. And so that's part of like the slowing down cycle is looking mm-hmm. at where you're going to get funding from what interest rates are. Now, the good news is from the economic standpoint, a lot of companies still have a lot of cash on hand, so they don't have to worry yes. so much about borrowing. But the longer that rates stay higher, the longer, the faster that cash goes out. And then mm-hmm. we are making decisions based on borrowing money and interest rates do have a big impact on that. So that's some exactly. of, yeah, that's a- you know, kind of what you see going on out there in terms of where companies are and, and where things will start to slow down. And, and part of the reason why it hasn't slowed down faster um, mm-hmm. and why rates may stay higher longer, right? Right. <laughs> Until we right. get to that point where we can slow it down enough to get inflation to where the Fed wants it. You know, hot off the press this morning <laughs> was uh, the 3.7% inflation rate for September, yes. uh, which is exactly where it was in August. So, um, yeah. you know, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, uh, yeah, it's just an ongoing uh, ongoing tug of war right now between inflation, interest rates, and the markets. So I think moral of the story, you know, your long-term investments should be invested into a portfolio that makes sense for your long-term. And you should definitely you know, make sure you have short-term cash available to kind of weather the storm, if you will. And the good news about that is it's getting a lot better interest than it used to, right? Yeah. At least it's, uh, at least it's worth talking about now. 
Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, it, it's, it's a heck of a lot easier to tell clients, hey, you need to keep X dollars in the bank to get you through bad markets and for what we expect your spending needs to be when that cash is actually earning something. So I actually welcome, yeah. you know, this, this environment from a, from a return on cash standpoint anyway. It helps. It certainly helps to kind of build a more solid all around plan when you have... Right. You know, cash, you don't feel like, well, I got to get this doing something for me and taking on a risk that maybe you shouldn't because it should just be in cash. So with that, as always, if our listeners have questions, they can reach us at info at srbadvisors.com. And Dave, as always, it's been a pleasure, my friend. It's been fun, Nick. Thanks. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.